Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs, who is flossing next to me as I do this podcast live from Tampa Bay, Florida. We're, we are boots on the grounds at the East-West Shrine game. Took in the first day of practices from the underwhelming Tropicana Field. And uh, we're going to recap what we saw today from the East and West team. Now, listen. Kyle, welcome to the show. Listen, listen. You can't throw the trop under the bus like this. The trop, we were a little concerned, right? Because we got there early. We were like the the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh folks in the building. And we get into the stadium, and we we walk down the stands. We're like, oh, like, we post up on the field. And the security guard puts his hand out and says, now, hold on now. You guys got to stay in the stands. And if you've ever been to the Shrine game, you would know that's not how this works. We get to go down on the field, and that's part of the charm of the Shrine game is it allows you the chance to be up close and personal with the players. You know, I could have patted these guys on the bottom if I wanted to, could have given them a high five, a fist pump. Joe taught me the turkey fist bump today. You want to give it to me right now? I'm going to give you the boom. Yes. Um, Google it, I guess. Um, (laughs) But after about 20 minutes, the kerfuffle was sorted out. We were allowed on the field and got to enjoy this practice up close and personal. And Joe and I were standing on a Major League Baseball field. For three hours today, so I'm not going to complain about the trial. I I think that was more like six. Six. Yeah, three Uh, weeks practice. It was good to get through the uh, the barrier there at the beginning with the bag check. This guy searched every inch of my mine and your bag with the drumstick. Now listen, Uh, (laughs) never most thorough man in the world. Credit to this gentleman for taking his job as seriously (laughs) as he did, because he at one section at a time opened this one up for me. Take that off for me. Open up your sunglasses case. Let me see what's in there. Close that. Okay. Oh, is it binoculars? Take those out. I need to do those unscrew. Is there alcohol? Is there whiskey in there? You alcoholic? Like, I mean, the, the guy was no holds barred. But you know what? We got in. We had a good time. And this dude's probably listening to this podcast oh, right now. Certainly. We're going to go into the trop tomorrow. We're not getting in. Today, as you listen. <laughs> I'm leaving my bag in the trunk because I know ahead of time I'm not getting in otherwise. Yeah. Well, Kyle, let's uh, let's talk about the players that we saw on the you field. You sure you just yeah. don't want to talk about the, you know, the facilities? I, I feel like I really want to talk about the players. Let's talk about the players then. All right, let's do it. on the field. Uh, let me start with Malik Carney. He's a defensive end from North Carolina. He was a late addition to this game. Uh, really productive player for the Tar Heels this season. And he had a suspension early on for some funky stuff. And then he he's, he just kept on winning. And so I was excited to see him get the invitation to come up here or down here, I guess, to the Shrine game. And, and what really impresses me with Carney is, is obviously what he did in 1v1 drills, but it was the variety in the pass rush that he had. There were so many different ways that he was able to beat offensive linemen, and that was really intriguing to me. And you couple that with some good production, and Carney's the guy that I'm looking forward to uh, studying here very soon. Well, one of the groups that I did not get to see a lot of was the pass rush group. So if you're telling me that there's a guy that I should be excited to watch tomorrow Mm -hmm. or today, 
then I'm going to be lit. I'm going to be excited for that. Uh, one of the standouts for me was obviously a name that the Draft Network team has really pumped up in the buildup. I'm talking, of course, about Mississippi wide receiver Demarcus Lodge. This guy had a nice day. He ran a nice post route in the middle of the field. I don't think he got an easy ball all day to catch. No, yeah. He had to work for every target that he got, and he showed good hands, and he showed separation ability, and he showed nice crisp snap at the top of his routes. Thought he had a really great day as far as meeting the expectations, especially for our group, our specific group at the Draft Network. You know, there's four of us here right now, four of us on the field for practice, and we all had a very high expectation for DeMarcus Lodge, and he did nothing to dissuade me from my, my position that he's one of the, probably the five best players here for this event this week. Uh, I'm going to keep my next guy from the ACC, uh, Syracuse defensive lineman Chris Slayton. Stunner. Well, look, I mean, he, 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 was, he was really good. He was a productive player for Syracuse, kind of an anchor for them for, I think, three years as a starter. And then he you know, gets a chance to come down here. And uh, first of all, he slapped together really well. He's got a thickly built frame just about everywhere. He carries his weight well. And he's a guy that when you watch him on tape, you think he's more of a plug, a guy that can you know, clog lanes in the middle and get a little bit of penetration. But what he really impressed with not only was his body composition – but how quick he was, quicker than maybe I thought he was going to be. And some of the scouts we were able to talk to during the practice also echoed those things. Actually, he came up organically by them to us as a player that, that did well after you and I had a conversation. So when you kind of confirm the stuff that you're seeing with, with you know NFL scouts, it, it really, really says a lot. And so Chris Slayton from Syracuse, I thought, did really well for himself on day one. Okay, I'm going to switch over to the defensive side of the football, and I'm going to talk about linebacker Trey Watson. Yeah. University of Maryland. This kid moves. This guy's really, really impressive. This is an Illinois grad transfer. Played his last year of eligibility with the Maryland Terps, and uh, he's listed at 6'2", 236. He's probably a little leaner than that. I'd be surprised if he meets those numbers just because – Pretty narrow in the waist, and, and he's pretty lean. But at the same time, this guy had five interceptions this year for Maryland. And that nose for the football is really an important quality for a linebacker these days. And He showed good range. He showed the ability to kind of scrape and get outside the numbers. And all those things add together. And I thought he had a nice day kind of showcasing as best as you could as a linebacker when you're not really... You're not really thumping and tackling guys to the ground, right? You, you know, you're more playing of a hard, a firm thud. But the movement skills in space were encouraging for me when I watched Trey Watson on tape. I just did his film assessment. He is like a, a mid-day three grade for me on film. And one of the concerns that I had was like, well, like, he, he got this production in space, but I was, wasn't really sold on how he moves in space. Well, I feel a little bit better if he, he plays the rest of the week in practice the way he played today because I thought he moved really well today. Let's, uh, let's bring one more each from the East roster before we flipped over to the West. And I, uh, I got to mention this Elon offensive tackle. I, I know how to say yes. his, his last name is Udo, but his first name, Oli Samika. Oli Samika, uh, Yuda, the, the, the Elon tackle. That's what we've been calling him. He actually checks in at 6'5". 336 and he you know he carries that really well you look at him and you Monster. say this this is an NFL offensive lineman and the way that he worked in one-on-one drills was really impressive he, he did a good job using those long arms and keeping 
rushers at the end of his reach, but it's the lateral mobility. It's the ability, the ability to slide his feet and stay square to those rushers that really popped. You could tell that he's got the power to match his frame, and so you know you just kind of look at him, and obviously I haven't studied him on tape at Elon, but there was some buzz around him going into the week. He's showing out, and he's a guy that I got to get on my list, right? I got I got to get eyes on him. I got to write a report on him because uh, the way that he looks, the way that he moves, his play strength looks like he absolutely belongs with this group. So, yeah, an Elon product, very impressive. Love to see these small school guys, and we've seen the NFL very thirsty for some of these small school offensive linemen. They've, you know, Alex Kappa, top 100 guy, Brandon Carp, uh, Brandon Parker last year, top 100 guy. This could be another guy that kind of catapults himself with a really strong uh, performance here in the postseason. Well, you and I had a conversation with a scout as well on the sideline, and he talked about small school offensive linemen yeah. and what they need to do in these all-star events. And one of the things that he said was, you know, when if you're a small school kid coming into this event, you immediately need to check the boxes yeah. from a physical perspective to get consideration. They don't care if you're sloppy or underdeveloped, if you have good tape. If you're a small school kid from the middle of nowhere – and you don't have baseline benchmarks from a physical perspective, the, the foot speed, those sorts of things, then it's a red flag that your, your stock's going to be hurt significantly. This kid does not have those problems. <laughs> Udo, Joe, as you said, 6'5", 336 is his listed measurables. Yeah. And he's super superbly put together. He looks like an NFL offensive tackle. And we make fun of that sometimes. Like, he looks like a quarterback, Josh Allen, right? Like, but at the same time, when you've, when you've got a small school kid and you know this is a ball of clay that you're going to have a chance to maybe work with for two or three years before you get an opportunity to try and put him out on the field, which is what you're supposed to do with these developmental tackles instead of putting Brandon Parker out there and letting him give up 11 sacks this year or whatever it was. That's exciting. And for me, he was the first guy I saw on the field today or yesterday. And I said, holy cow. Like, I got I to gotta see more of this kid. So I was really, really excited about what he was re- just kind of able to present from a physical perspective. One more for me uh, from the East squad. I'm going to go with another wide receiver. I know that's boring. I promise I didn't just watch the ball. Terry Godwin had a great day on Monday of practice. He caught a ton of passes, uh, really crisp, very quick, very sudden. Did well at the line of scrimmage, kind of defeating press coverage. He plucked the ball out away from his body, and he ran routes to all three areas. He ran deeper developing routes, ran routes breaking out into the sideline in the shallow areas, and he won a lot of his routes against leveraged defenders at the top of a route stem breaking into the middle of the field. Was able to cross face, get off of contact, deal with those issues, and then pluck the football in traffic. Was really impressed and liked what I saw from him this week. All right. Yesterday. Yep. Kyle, West roster time. And we've talked very highly about a lot of players to this point. And I'm going to flip the script here. I'm going to talk negatively about a player. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and it's it's the darling of the event. The guy I think a lot of people wanted to see perform well. And uh, for my eyes, this North Dakota State quarterback, Easton Stick, really, really struggled. I, I, More like Easton Stunk. Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Woo! So, so let me tell you why he, he played poorly. Uh, I mean, it really started off bad. You know, just kind of just quarterbacks and wide receivers throwing, 
you know, routes, running routes and throwing the ball against air. And, and Stick was really spotty with his placement. And I don't get overly concerned with, you know, not being able to hook up with targets that, you know, it's your first time throwing to these guys. But the balls weren't in the ballpark. I mean, they, they, were, they were down on the ground in front of him, one-hopping him the ball, just really high attempts. I mean, he, was, he wasn't in the vicinity. And I thought that really carried over to teamwork. A lot of times there was one attempt where he threw the ball that there was no real identifiable target. And the problem with it was he threw it in rhythm, you know. And so it's not like he's just throwing it away. Like he's just not on the same page. And so you know, you worry about an FCS quarterback coming in and the stage being too big for him. And he was a gamer. I mean, my goodness, his success at, at NDSU was really outstanding. But for a player that's kind of build high, a lot of people pounding the table for him to be a senior bowl guy, he showed today why he belonged at the Shrine game. And hopefully he has a better rest of the week because I thought he struggled a lot today. You know who didn't stink yesterday? Um, your guy? Brett Rippin. Yeah. Brett Rippin had a great day yesterday. Threw the ball with some zip. Uh, threw a lot of really, really good routes and throws into the middle of the field, I thought, was, yeah. was the area of the field for him that really, really stood out. Uh, good cadence in his pass. The only throw that got away from him was a pick by Dakota Dixon on a deep shot down the right sideline. And it was a ball that he kind of had a guy flashing across his face, and it looked like he kind of heaved it off his back foot a little bit. He definitely wasn't set properly, and the ball floated on him big time. But you watched him in the one-on-ones, and he had an opportunity in the one-on-ones to throw this exact same route. And when his mechanics were set, this is a ball that went 45 air yards down the field and dropped right into the hands of the receiver. So I don't know how you walk out of yesterday's practices and not think Brett Rippon's the best quarterback in attendance for that one day on Monday. Now, I will say... We saw Brett up close. He's a little smaller than what I expected he was going to be. He's lean. He's very lean. He's listed at 6'2", 202. He might be 6'2", because we had a chance to kind of walk up to him after practice. He was wearing cleats. He wasn't wearing his helmet, but he was wearing cleats. And he might be a shade under 6'2". And 202 might be gracious for his weigh-in. So that may be, you know, we've been wondering, what the heck is wrong with Brett Rippon that the NFL doesn't love him? Well, he's not the athlete that Kyler Murray is, and he's an undersized quarterback, right? So if you don't have the elite athletic trait or the elite arm and you're undersized, maybe that's the new requisite for the teams to discriminate against you and and hold it against you that eh, we're going to get a little gun shy, at the prospect of drafting you. I don't know. All I knew is Rippon had the best arm in attendance, and it wasn't particularly close as far as I'm concerned in yesterday's practices. All right, Kyle, I want to mention an offensive lineman that I thought was outstanding, Ryan Pope from San Diego State. He's uh, listed at 6'7", 315. I'd guess he probably checked in at 6'7", 315. A scout that I spoke with said that he had 36-inch arms and 11-inch hands. Uh, so you want to talk about body composition and, and meeting those thresholds. My goodness, he really does. And then he just dominated, particularly in the 1v1 drills. Uh, he was a wall in pass pro. And, I mean, he used those those probably 35, 36-inch arms to really keep edge rushers away, making that that rush really wide and, and run unrealistic in terms of them actually getting to the quarterback. He was powerful. He put this, this poor Calgary uh, – 
defensive end uh, Joel Van Pelt. Uh, he he's he's just getting worked all day long. He put him on his back a couple times and. You know, if you think about San Diego State and those outstanding rushing attacks that they always have, and I can see that you know he's probably been a catalyst and a big reason why they've been so productive running the football, but he also popped in pass pro, really moved his feet well. I mean, he's got some, some work to do with his sets, but that's technical stuff. That's stuff we can teach. We can't teach his size and mobility and power. And so Ryan Pope, I mean, he's he's a guy that I mean, I thought maybe if there's anybody all day that really just you know I just couldn't stop watching and really thought. You know, this is a guy that is really shining amongst his peers. Pope from San Diego State was a real stud. Okay, if I'm going to switch over to the defensive side of the football on the West team practices, uh, this was a, a group that I wanted more from. I didn't think the defensive backs performed particularly well. But if I had to pick a name that does stand out to me, I think Daniel Wise would probably be the name that I would pick. Uh, Kansas defender, 96, uh, 6'3", 290 is his listed size. And in an underwhelming group of defenders all around, this guy physically looked like he belonged. Against an offensive line group, that's big. There's a lot of size. Now, there's not necessarily a lot of polish or technique or... You know, the things that you want from a starting offensive lineman. But physically, you looked at the offensive line, and that was part of what threw us off with the size of Brett Rippon. It's like, wait, how the hell, how tall is this guy? Every single offensive lineman in front of him is at least 6'6". So this is a really big, long-armed offensive line group here for the West team. And Daniel Wise from Kansas was the one defensive lineman who I came away from this practice, and I felt really good about physically his ability to deal with those big guys. All right, I got one more name I'm going to mention, a def- defensive back uh, from Wisconsin, Dakota Dixon. He's uh, he's fun, man. You can tell he, he's got a lot of energy about him in the way that he practices. But uh, I thought early on I was really focusing on the DBs, and, and his ability to change directions in his short area burst was really exciting. He caught the football really well in individual drills, and then when he got a chance to go to teamwork, he had that really impressive high-point interception uh, and uh, it really elevated and went up and got the football. And so, you know, I, I know that he's a firecracker. He's, he's physical. He's a guy that's going to play teams and really excel. But I, I get excited about maybe getting him some work in man in man reps, seeing if he can mirror some slot receivers and, and remain in phase. So Dixon, a lot of energy, a lot of fluidity, a lot of burst. The ball skills popped. And, I mean, those are good things to say about a DB. So I thought he really, really made a name for himself. Uh, and and look, looking forward to seeing him the rest of the week because I think there's a lot more versatility here than maybe we thought and my last guy I'm going to talk about an offensive player I'm going to talk about tight end Andrew Beck from Texas Beck's not necessarily dynamic he's not necessarily explosive but he is every bit of the 6'3 255 that he's listed at and he had some nice hands catches and I thought he moved decently well I was interested to watch Beck specifically this week because I liked his resume as as a blocker But I wanted to know, what can you give me in the receiving game? And I think he might have a little bit more than what he was given the opportunity to show at Texas. And that's one of the reasons why these events are are so valuable. Because it gets you the opportunity to see these players in roles that they weren't asked to fill 
in their team at the college level. This was a conversation I had on the sideline at the event talking about, well, just because a guy hasn't done something doesn't mean he can't do something. It means he wasn't asked to do it. And this is a great chance to get those guys out of their comfort zone, out of the roles that they were asked to fulfill. And uh, I was not disappointed with Andrew Beck. Joe, we got another couple days' worth of practices on our plate. We're going to be live at the Trop. We're going to try and do some live stuff for you guys. I know we're currently also working on updating our uh, consensus top 500 big board, which is a labor of love, to put it mildly. So there's some great stuff coming down the chute here at the Draft Network. Make sure you follow all of us in our efforts to do so, Joe is at the Joe Marino on Twitter. I am at Grinding the Tape. John Ledyard and Trevor Sycamore are also here. Ledyard, NFL Draft, and Tampa Bay Trey. I am Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Please hit that subscribe. Leave us that five-star review. We are doing our absolute best as we are working our way through this two-week stretch of all-star events to give you ten excellent podcast episodes live on the scene. Don't miss it. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.